My name is Erin Bross, and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. Hey folks, Um, so yeah, I've had this episode recorded for a long time. (laughs) It was like one of the first dozen or so probably that I did when I started the podcast. So Gab, I'm very sorry um for like it sit so long but basically when all the covid shit came up last year i ended up doing a bunch of those episodes and then yeah a bunch of other ones therefore got put on the back burner and this was one that i couldn't really or i didn't really want to release until close to the start of a season just because it's really applicable and really useful information for starting the season off and I had already put a dog episode out last year before the season or like right as it was about to start so I didn't want to put two and um yeah so anyways I've saved this one all the information is still really applicable of course Gab has just now had like one more year of planting so some of that's like changed a little bit but honestly everything that she's talking about with her dog Della and just like yeah, getting her prepped for the block and bringing her out and just everything we talk about there is, yeah, still really pertinent, important information for everyone. And, you know, as we're kind of gearing up here um, to start the main interior season and, you know, the planting season in other provinces, if winter ever decides to quit. Um, yeah, I just got snowed on the other day. Like we almost got snowed off the block on the island at the end of March so good times um yeah but everything here is still like super applicable so I hope you guys really enjoy this episode um and yeah for all of you you know I have seen quite a few posts on King Kong about like people wanting to bring out dogs new dogs etc etc so if you know anybody who is in that situation please send them this episode you know share it around um I super appreciate everyone listening and everyone yeah sort of putting this podcast out to other people and uh yeah just getting the information out there because that's really what it's all about so thank you again and hope you enjoy this conversation that has absolutely nothing to do with covid so i think that's really lovely because it was recorded before any of that was um like a thing so it may be a nice like breath of fresh air for everybody right now. Um, yeah, so I hope you all enjoy it. Hey, Gab, welcome to the show. Hi, Erin. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. So uh, first off, let's start with a little bit about you. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Um, all right, cool. So... My name is Gabrielle. I am 25. I live in Nelson, BC. I was born and raised in Wakefield, Quebec. 
Uh, my really awesome dad raised me there. And um, I moved out west when I was 19 to start this crazy job called tree planting. Um, my favorite activities involves any sort of snow, um, snowboarding, snowshoeing, or cross-country skiing, whatever. I love it all. And um, in the summertime, I really love hiking and swimming and being outside. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I ask everyone this question because um, there's, you know, it's always interesting to hear like how people have found this job. So how did you get into tree planting? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. It's kind of a funny story. Um, I was living with this girl when I was 18. And um, at that point in time in my life, I was like, you know, wearing makeup everywhere I went and straightening my hair and like very much I loved my comfort, you know. Um, and I was living with this girl and one day she came home and she was like, hey, I'm going to go do this job called tree planting. So I'm moving out for the summer. And I was like, oh, that sounds absolutely crazy. Like going and living in a tent, bugs, whatever, you name it. I was like, that is totally not up my alley. So I was having dinner with my uncle and I told him about my roommate that was moving out to go do this job called tree planting. And my uncle just looked at me and he was like, you got to go, man. You, you got to get a job tree planting. I was like, what, what are you talking about? You're crazy. Like, this is the craziest thing. So anyways, this thought pondered around in my brain. And when my friend came back from her season of tree planting, I was kind of talking to her and I was like, all right, well, I think you got to get me a job for next summer. Apparently I, I have to go tree planting. Now she was like, no way. Like, we're not, you're not going to tough it out. Like, this is ridiculous. So every time I saw her for the next few months, I was just like, all right, you got to get me a job. Got to get me a job. Finally, one day, she gives me the contact for this guy who works in Grand Prairie, Alberta, tree planting. Um, and she just gives me his email address. She's like, all right, here you go, apply. And at this point in time in my life, I was living in Quebec. I was like, all my friends were French. I was super French. And um, so I send this guy my, my resume attached with like this beautiful cover letter that I got like, you know, professional help writing and, and this huge thing. And it's all in French, you know, and, and I'm like super, it's super official job application that I'm sending to this guy to go tree planting, right? I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. This <laughs> and uh, the only reply I get is I don't speak French. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> what, <is this> <laughs> <job>? <laughs> what am I getting myself into? <clears throat> so... I sent him back an email. I was like, all right, listen, uh, I need money. I need to get out of here. And apparently tree planting is something I should do. Will you hire me on your crew? He said, yep, be in Grand Prairie, Alberta on May 10th. And I was like, okay, this is in December. And I had no idea. I had to Google Grand Prairie, Alberta. I had no idea where this was. <laughs> I had no idea about anything. I was just like, okay, apparently I need to be here to go do this job that I just had no idea about. And um, somehow, you know, a few months later, I found myself loading my little Toyota Corolla with absolutely every single possession that I owned and two other awesome humans. And we just loaded it up and started driving cross country. And, um, and the rest was history. That was it. You know, that's, that's how I started my first day of tree planting. So did you get some advice like from your former roommate on like, like what you were supposed to bring? 
or uh, like gear anything yeah she was she was really awesome we like went tent shopping together and I remember buying the tent was like the biggest thing for me I I built like six different tents in the store and like I was like can I imagine myself living in this one and I tried them all out it was, it was a huge thing um so she was she was super helpful but she's also like she's she's a hilarious woman and a bit of a space cadet so it was like she was telling me that it was hard but I kind of had no idea what I was getting myself into I remember shortly before I left my uncle told me that no matter what I had to stay for at least a month he's like once you've done a month do whatever you want like if you can't tough it out you can't tough it out no big deal but he's like do not come home before you've done a month planting and I was like all right yeah whatever like I just had no idea I was like apparently this is hard there's going to be bugs. I don't know. Like, what am I getting myself into? I just had no idea. Um, but yeah, I, I had the gear uh, and I, and I made it to Grand Prairie, Alberta, which is a weird place. And, um, and I made it to camp and I just like, yeah, that, that was, that was it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you've mentioned, uh, you've been in the tree planting game for, for six years. This will be your seventh season. Um, so how long did you actually stay in Alberta um, and then, yeah, like move over into BC? Have you planted like anywhere else? Um, yeah, so I did uh, three years working for Outland out of Grand Prairie, um, the same camp, really, really awesome camp, met some amazing people over there. And then um, my fourth year of tree planting, I decided to try it out in BC. And so uh, I got a job on the same crew as you working for um, Dynamic out of barrier and um that was like I felt like I was a rookie all over again holy cow it is not the same ball game um it's crazy how you know yeah it's the same job but everything changes when you move from like Alberta to BC or even Ontario or you know what I mean like or coastal to interior you know it's such a different game um so yeah I definitely remember it being a bit challenging but yeah so I did that one my fourth year was in Barrier working for Dynamic. And then uh, my last two years, I've been working out of Canal Flats for Zanzibar Holdings. Um, yeah, and I would say that, um, you know, switching over from Alberta, I would say that the transition can definitely be easier if you're planting in Northern BC, where the ground yeah. is, I mean, it starts to get more technical, but it's still a little bit similar. So, you know, going from Northern Alberta to a spot like Barrier, um, cause you know, especially that season we got into a bit of interior rainforest planting and, uh, yeah. furting and stuff like that. So that's definitely <laughs> a bigger jump. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, it was like night and day. I remember the first day I planted <clears throat> for dynamic, the first like 30 trees I planted in my head, they were the most gorgeous trees I'd ever put down. <laughs> I was like, wow, my crew boss is going to be so proud. Like these are amazing trees. And I remember Justin screaming, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> like these trees suck. And I was like, what? what do you mean? This is like the nicest stuff I've ever done. Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely <laughs> quite the adjustment period, but um but well worth it. I love planting in BC now. It's like, I don't think I could ever go back to Alberta and plant fast land anymore. <laughs> no way, Jose. Yeah, for the record, uh, Gab and I planted a bunch together by the end of that season or by the end of that spring plant because I was leaving for the summer and uh, yeah, she was doing just fine. So here you are now. <laughs> figured it out. It took yeah. me a couple of shifts, but finally figured it out. A couple of days of 
rework and uh, yeah. So I'm curious, I just wanted to touch a little bit more on when you were going to Grand Prairie for your first season and like figuring out the whole like tree planting thing. Uh, like had you done a lot of like outdoor camping and like being outside and that kind of stuff before you went planting? <laughs> um, well, by the lifestyle I live now, you would never guess. But uh, before I showed up for my first day, I had probably camped a handful of times and like very much glamping you know there's like functioning toilets and showers really close to where my tent was and uh you know or like setting up a tent in the backyard to have a sleepover when like you you're in the you know the house is there um so camping wise zero like I was a total rookie for camping um I did grow up in the country and like <clears throat> growing up you know we didn't like we had a tv that had three channels on it so a lot of my time was spent outside helping my dad stack wood or shoveling or like, you know, like it, I did grow up doing hard work. Like it wasn't that aspect of it, I guess, wasn't totally foreign to me. Um, but definitely like there was a lot of things that were super, super foreign, like the whole sleeping in a tent thing, the whole, yeah, like sleeping bag, being dirty 24 seven, like the first tree planting camp I showed up at, we didn't have showers, like showers didn't even exist. So you were in the bush for four to five days and when you went to town, then you got to shower, but like you didn't shower for four to five days. So you get like perma dirt stuck everywhere. You just, you're constantly dirty. And it was like, everything was so new. I remember the first shower I took after four days in the bush, I felt like a snake. Like I thought like an entire layer of my body had left me. It was, it was baffling. Um, so yeah, it was definitely like, a lot of new things like super steep learning curve you know like I mean just figuring out camp life you know like you show up and you have like your plate and your fork and knife and like if it goes missing then like you're gonna eat off a piece of cardboard that night or like whatever you know what I mean like it was just like it was everything was so different like it, it was really really crazy um and just and meeting all these people like it was so weird. Everyone was a stranger, but yet somehow for those three months, they were my family, you know, like, and, and it's always like that, right? Like the tree planting is like your little summer family and for forever, how long you're there, like the people that you're with, they're who you're with, you know, they're your family for the summer. And it's, it's crazy how like you, you don't choose who's there, but at the same time, everyone who's there is so awesome and like has their like weird little things that they're super awesome about and that makes them who they are and where they are too you know yeah totally um so with that it's a kind of a nice segue into uh how has tree planting changed or impacted your life like how is it uh because it seems like it's kind of changed the course of your life a little bit so yeah just speak to that yeah totally um <clears throat> well when i left you like i've never gone back to living in quebec actually <clears throat> um I left six years ago and kind of went traveling. <clears throat> so sorry, I have a little <clears throat> nice throat. <clears> throat> um, yeah, so I went traveling right after my first season of tree planting, like drove down to California, went and spent a couple months in Costa Rica, kind of drove around and and um, and then my the next year, uh, totally the same thing, just kind of like flopped around, ended up living in Tofino actually for a while after that and like, every year has kind of like brought me 
new horizons and new new people and new ideas and it's just been um it's it's totally changed like how I view um life and and what my interests are you know um I like the first time I saw the mountains I I cried the first time I drove through Banff I literally was crying because I'd never seen mountains like that in my life before you know and um and it just like it took me I felt like home like I was so far away from home but I felt like I just showed up at home and I was so happy and um I mean yeah my family will always be in Quebec and that's always going to be a super super challenging road to work with but um I think tree planting has changed my life in the sense that it opened my eyes to so many more opportunities and so many more um, aspects of life that I had not experienced back at home and that for I will forever be grateful for that it was it's really impacted me in so many ways which is really great yeah and I think a lot of us who come from eastern Canada um, and you know I know so many other people who really it was from coming out west to tree plant that brought them to these western provinces to Alberta to British Columbia um, and yeah, you know, the way you talk about seeing the mountains, um, like I remember, yeah, after my first, my rookie season after the spring plant, going up into a cabin and then like where we went to the top of this mountain you had, you could see the Rockies and the coast mountains. And like, it was the first time I'd ever seen them really those mountain ranges, like in that way. And yeah, yeah just such a, a powerful, profound moment. And, and it does like it, it it feels like, you know, this is the place I need to be. And, and I think a lot of us also struggle with that pull of like our family being on the other side of the country and, um, and that being really hard when you're, your heart and your soul are kind of out here in the mountains. Um, totally. And really it's, it's thanks to tree planting that brought, that brought a lot of us out here. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's pretty cool. It's yeah, it's super cool. I always say that I wish you could just fold Canada in half and just kind of like (laughs) just fold the prairies (laughs) yeah I mean the prairies are great but like (laughs) they could be a bit shorter no offense to the prairie provinces Uh, I've I've driven through many times (laughs) me too holy cow the amount of times I've driven across country is actually quite sad at this point but um yeah yeah it's it's definitely a challenge and also like why are plane tickets to Ottawa so expensive from oh god It's like, we're talking two pretty major cities here. Why does it have to cost you as much as, like, if you choose to go to Mexico or something? Like, it was just absurd to me. Yeah, I'm really curious about Swoop now, although obviously they operate out of Abbotsford and not YVR. Um, But yeah, because I have some friends who have been flying back to, like, Hamilton and Toronto and stuff for, like, 60 bucks. Um, (coughs) Yeah, I've heard about that as well, actually. I hope that, like becomes a thing so like swoop keep doing what you're doing um and hopefully (laughs) this is also an avenue too for planters to get out here because we're screwed now without uh the greyhound because i was one of those people as a student that used to be taking the greyhound out because it only cost me 120 bucks because as soon as you max out at like a thousand kilometers doesn't matter if you go more than that it was always the same price if you booked it in advance so like we don't have that luxury anymore and yeah plane tickets are are crazy expensive so yeah totally hopefully swoop becomes mm. a thing like <laughs> yeah. that is reliable and usable um yeah so 
we'll just shift gears here a little bit. Um, with tree planting, of course, there's, there's, you know, lots of good, lots of bad pros and cons, just like, uh, you know, any other job, any other lifestyle. Uh, so what is your favorite or sort of your best tree planting memory that comes to mind? Um, man, to be honest, I tried to rack my brain around this one. I can't tell you one single most amazing tree planting memory. I can tell you a bunch of hilarious memories. I can tell you a bunch of terrible memories, but like to pinpoint one out, um i i can't do that i'm so sorry i really can't can't pinpoint one exact one i mean we had a pretty good day together the last day of my eighth season so i would so say good. that's a pretty hilarious memory <laughs> that was a hilarious day actually yeah that was an amazing day that's definitely one of the ones that's like popping into my brain was um yeah we had our own like back of the block there and we just kind of had had a time two ladies just planting together and singing and doing all the shenanigans applying like a million layers of sunscreen because yeah it was absolutely ridiculous um there may there may have been a lack of clothing that day I'll just say that (laughs) yeah Um, there may have been a lack of clothing for sure I do remember Justin walking into my piece and just be like oh god (laughs) turning right around um yeah it was that was an amazing day for sure I mean there's been like so many amazing moments it's always a great feeling when you're like pushing really hard to hit a number or hit hit something and and you finally do it like that's always an amazing sensation um I mean you know can we even talk about like the crazy parties and crazy evenings that you have planting or like um the amazing people that you meet like I've met friends planting that I I will have for the rest of my life like hands down not even a doubt about it I will know these people for the rest of my life and I'm so happy and grateful that tree planting has given me that um you know like memories of you're planting and all of a sudden it's there's snow everywhere and you're you're like there in your little tights and a tiny little long sleeve shirt and it's snowing on you your hands are freezing everything's freezing but somehow you're still like working your ass off for eight hours that day or like you know a crazy hailstorm will hit or like those northern alberta microclimates that come in like one minute it's rainbows and sunshine the next minute it's pale the next minute it's snow the next minute it's rainbows and sunshine again (laughs) there are all these crazy moments that that happen tree planting that are just like that make for crazy memories for sure so with that being said do you have a particular worst tree planting memory that comes to mind (laughs) (laughs) um there's a lot of those as well I definitely do remember one day my rookie year and I think I'll probably remember this day for the rest of my life it's like the day where I think my soul like completely crumpled and (laughs) rebuilt itself um you know keep in mind this is like rookie gab that had no idea what she was doing didn't know how to camp didn't know how to plant didn't know how to do anything and I was planting northern Alberta and and um it was like yeah it was definitely at the beginning of my season maybe like third shift or something like that so the the glorious beginning had started to wear off it was starting to settle in that like what I was doing was actually pretty insane um, and so I was planting this piece and it was pouring rain and 
in Alberta, there's like this weird black muck that sometimes you walk on it and it's really solid. And then sometimes you walk on it and you just sink right through. Yes, that would and, be muskeg. We, uh, yes, we covered okay, that in cool. our terminology. So <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so muskeg. Um, so my piece had a lot of the muskeg. And it was raining and it's never fun when it's raining, especially when you don't understand that like you just have to keep planting to stay warm. Um, so you're cold. It's, I was cold. It was raining. And I just bagged up for like the I don't know how many time that day because it's Alberta's fast land. So you're bagging up quite a bit. And, um, and I had full bags on and I walk into my piece and I'm walking and planting. I probably planted like five or six trees out of full bags. And I take a step and I just sink completely all the way to my hips and I'm stuck, like super, super <laughs> stuck. And I'm crying. I'm like, this is terrible. I'm crying. I'm stuck. So I had to like unclip my bags and like dig my shovel into the ground to like hoist myself out of this pit because I was like super, super stuck. And I'm crying and like no one's around. No one's seeing this like crazy. And I'm just in my head, I'm like, if anyone could realize the struggle that I'm going through right now, like, oh my goodness, this is insane. What am I doing? And I just like finally hoist myself out, managed to get my bags out of the slums of this pit. And I put them back on and I'm crying so much. And I just like, my mouth is wide open because I'm weeping. And then all of a sudden this like massive fly just comes flying in and goes <laughs> right in my throat. So now I find myself choking on a fly crying. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is the most terrible thing. Like what? I'm dirty. It's horrible. And I just all day I was thinking about how terrible it was. But then I got back to camp and I remember sitting at the dinner table and, and my, you know, I'd just gone through this like whirlwind of emotions like my soul broke out on the block and I'm just like coming home and I all I want to do is like tell everyone about it but I sit at the dinner table and I just kind of realize that like no one cares like no one cares how horrible or how great your day was because at the end of the day your day's done and we're all there and we're just having dinner and having a beer and laughing about whatever else you know and it was just like oh oh that's not that bad then it, it's not that terrible of a situation like whatever it's fine like no one else cares so why should I really care about that horrible situation that I just went through it was like it was so relieving to see that like it doesn't matter because at the end of the day the day is done so tomorrow's a new day and that's it right yeah um, and I think it's totally amazing you know when you do have those experiences on the block like where you where you have just like the worst day of your life but then you move through it like it's almost this like spiritual experience where you go like to the depths of hell and then you like crawl back out of it you know all within yeah. the span of like an eight to ten hour day yeah. and then you get back and it's like you know oh. everyone's done that so it's like yeah. you know not like it's like revolutionary or anything it's just no, like no big deal it's like <laughs> you know well yeah everybody else had that happen to them too so yeah like everyone's had that day at least once or twice and it's just like no matter how dark or how ridiculous your day will be it, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day it's over and that's it you know that's all that matters is you made it you like got out to the other side and, and you're fine yeah. Like it's all okay. Yeah. So how long do you plan to plant in the future or do you kind of <laughs> leave it open-ended or what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, 
man, I have no idea. You would have asked me this question three years ago. I would have said, I'm done planting. I probably would have said that after the first year that I planted, actually. Um, but somehow, you know, December rolls around and you kind of forget all the hardships you went through and you're super stoked about doing it again. And now it's it's kind of gotten to the point where I really love where I plant. Like, I love the camp. I love the people it's a nice, you know, short season. Um, everyone's really great. I make good money and I'm just really happy doing it. So how long do I see myself doing it in the future for? I don't know, maybe until I get a real job. But what is a real job anyway? Like, I don't, like an official nine to five job that doesn't let me go tree planting? I don't really know. If my body handles it, I think I'll keep doing it. I really like it. So tell us about Della. <laughs> okay well um Della is my dog she's four and a half she's uh, a super mutt she's about 80 pounds so she's a pretty large mutt um she comes from Port Alberni I picked her up in the back of a pickup truck uh, on a rainy evening night it was a bit of a weird situation I had no idea what I was getting myself into I was living in Tofino at the time and um I just kind of found myself driving home from Port Alberni with this tiny little ball of fur on my lap. And I was just like, holy shit, what did I get myself into? This is insane. I have a dog. And it, it actually took me four days to muster up the courage to call my dad and tell him that I had, a, like, had gotten a dog um, because I was just like baffled at this whole idea. And I know he would go crazy. But um, so, yeah, so I just got this tiny little puppy who was in a really rough state when I got her. She was um, super, super skinny. Like you could see her hip bones and everything. Her stomach was swollen with worms. Like she was just in a super rough shape. Um, but I just kind of wound up with this dog and like I didn't ever even asked myself once, like why did I do this? Or I shouldn't have done this or I should get rid of this dog. It's just like, okay, cool. Like you're my friend now and we're a team and we're gonna make this work. Um, and she's been planting with me ever since. So she's been, been out in the bush for four years now. Um, this is gonna be her fifth season planting. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs. We've had some hilarious moments, um, a little bit less hilarious moments. Uh, she's saved my life a couple of times in the bush um, from animals and, and whatnot. And she's just been like the most reliable, awesome, four-legged best friend I've ever had. And she's really, really great. So how old was she when you brought her planting? It sounds like she wouldn't have been, you know, if she was a little puppy when you had her, and then that probably would have just been, you know, a couple months later, the season would have started. So like how yeah. long had you had her and how old was she? So I got her um, on Remembrance Day, November 11th, and um, she was eight weeks old when I got her. So by the time we went out planting together for the first time, she was about eight months old-ish. So I had had her for about six months. Um, <clears throat> she was totally a puppy, like <clears throat> um, still really small and like it just had no idea about anything in life. Um, so yeah, she was definitely really young the first time I brought her out to the bush, but it was kind of one of those situations where it was like, I don't have a home, so I can't really leave you anywhere. Like if I'm going planting, you're going to come planting with me. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I just kind of brought her out when she was 
super young and that, that was it. Did you have a lot of uh, exposure already to dogs in planting? Like, did you have a lot of dogs in, in the camps you'd been in? Uh, so the camp that I was in, like, it was a 60 person camp. And considering that it was a 60 person camp, I would say there were not a lot of dogs. Like there was only like, I think four dogs my first season. Um, and actually there was this one guy that I planted with who had two amazingly trained dogs. And I remember like sending him messages being like, this is my current problem help, um, with my dog. Cause his dogs are like super well behaved and super well trained. So um it was definitely like yeah it wasn't a like overly dog strong camp which I think was like a saving grace in this situation because like um yeah like I say Della was super young when I first brought her out and she like I I mean I got her fixed before I went planting so it's like female dog there's no way I can go through a planting season and have like eight puppies show up one morning <laughs> um so so I like the, those are like things that were like going through my mind it's like okay I'm bringing this dog planting um so yeah but but I'd say like it I was pretty lucky in that aspect where it wasn't like an ins like the year that we planted together there was what like a dog per each human basically in the camp that we planted like it was insane yeah there were a lot of dogs that yeah. year yeah so so I'm really fortunate and lucky that that was not the case the first year I brought her out planting so she was able to like I think ease into like the whole bush lifestyle and like you know world of like how how things work out there because it, it is a different world for a dog too you know it's um, pretty pretty shocking to them as well I think so yeah so you said you'd consulted uh like a, a friend of yours a planting friend who who had dogs that they brought planting um but yeah like how was how was training her in the bush like was there anything else you did to prepare or did you kind of just like roll with it uh like once you got out there um well that winter the winter that I had first got her I was pretty fortunate that um I was only working like five hours a day and it was actually like an outdoor tree pruning job so I was able to bring Della and it was quite funny actually because she was so small and it was like in Quebec in the cold so I just had like a box with a blanket in it and I'd put her in the box and just like kind of work around the area where the box was it was pretty hilarious but Needless to say, we spent those entire six months side by side all the time, which I think um, was really, really good because she was able to like fully understand that like where I go, she goes. And that's just how it happens. Um, like I definitely was really adamant about making sure that like her recall reflexes were like good. And I like was really, really working on that, um, making like, when you're bringing your dog to the bush they're never on a leash they're never tied up they're just kind of doing their own things so you got to make sure that at all times you know where your dog is and you have control of what they're doing like you can't just have you know a dog running around or whatever doing their thing without like any control over what they're doing they have to want to be where you are and, and do like whatever you're doing so that um is something that uh I was taught really early in the game and also just like being consistent with your dog and like you know if you teach them one thing then like stick to it for a really long time because that's how they will learn. Um, I will say this though the one thing that I had the biggest problem with Della is that she has like crazy IBS like she um, <laughs> <laughs> so <Can attest> to <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, 
So that was definitely, and it's still a challenge that I have today. Like, oh my god, she goodness. just she farts a lot in the truck, guys. That's, yeah, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, she farts a lot, and um, and <laughs> and the, the first year that I brought her out planting, actually, she was refusing to eat her dog food, and it was like a huge problem that I was having. She was like constantly farting and just not eating her own dog food, and. And it was because, like, I remember one morning complaining that she hadn't eaten breakfast and some guy was like, oh, don't worry. I always pack a couple of extra sausages for her. And I'm just like, uh, no wonder she doesn't want to eat her dog food. Everyone in camp is feeding her human food because they're like, oh, she's so cute and fluffy and Bella. So we'll just give her human food. Um, so that was definitely like a challenging aspect of just like trying to not only monitor my dog but monitor 60 people that are just excited to see a dog and want to give them food so that they like them you know what I mean like it's just like it's a constant thing like you're you want to give dogs treat because they're so cute and fuzzy and friendly and so you just like the automatic reflex is to give them a treat which was always like at that first camp it was a really challenging thing to go through because like even I remember one time at the dinner table I was once again complaining that she was refusing to eat her food. And I just turned around and looked to my left and someone was Lady in the Tramp feeding her a spaghetti noodle from their mouth. And I'm just like, oh, oh my God. goodness, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, no wonder. So I was kind of monitoring like 60 children and my dog, um, which was a bit challenging and made her IBS like through the roof, you know. Um, so that was definitely... I mean, I think every single dog has their own little, little thing that happens with them. And with Della, it's definitely dealing with IBS. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And like as a planter, you know, I've seen this as well, where other planters are feeding people's dogs and, you know, maybe they've consulted the owners, maybe they haven't. But like, yeah, if you're a planter or anyone like in a planting camp, like don't just feed someone's dog. Like don't yeah. just, you know do that without like the owner's permission because okay. yeah, it can exacerbate like other issues like you're talking about. So definitely yeah, something totally. to, uh, to remember. And it creates really bad habits for the dogs because like, yeah. I know that one season that we were together, like there were some dogs that were terrible, like coming into the mess tent, like sitting right beside people, just like begging, uh, yeah, you know, for the entire, totally. the entirety of dinner or breakfast. And like, they were always around trying to like, you know get that food and get at the garbages and and then they just become like problem dogs so yeah um, totally yeah. and it just it it creates like an awkward atmosphere for the dogs as well right like because food like dogs are scavengers at the end of the day like that's what they originally were and so if they're like constantly like begging for food or it can create tension between the dogs as well like mm -hmm. I remember that one day with I don't know if you were there actually with Tosh and Della and like she just, oh, like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Della totally got attacked by this other dog. And it was like, it was just food related. Like this other dog was being thrown human food and Della just like walked around the corner and it's like bad place, bad time. And she like got attacked, which totally scarred her. Like it took me almost a year to be able to bring her to a dog park after that because she was like super, super terrified of other dogs um of meeting like new dogs you know um so it's it just it causes chaos it's not good for the dogs it's not good for the humans like it's just bad train your dogs so that they know that when you go in the mess tent they stand far away and like do not associate food with like the mess tent and the general area where everyone is because it it's just 
it creates chaos. It's not good. No one likes it. No one likes to eat dinner with like a dog begging right beside them. Like it's yeah, not- like panting or drooling on them. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's not not great. Don't you know? Make sure your dog understands that like that's the boundary, and they can go play. They can go do whatever they want, you know. But that's not a place to like beg for scraps and whatnot. That's definitely like a pretty golden rule to train your dog for if you're going planting for sure. Do you did you find that? Yeah, especially the first season with Della when you're training her, that it, like, did it take away from your planting at all? Like, did did you ever kind of regret it? Or for you, was it something that was worth, you know, maybe not getting in that extra bag up or, or anything like that, you know, maybe for more in the long run to have her with you? To be honest, um, I was super lucky bringing her planting, like, everyone was so good with her and I never really had that like oh my goodness where's my dog feeling like she was always either like really close to me waiting at the like she was really good she knew at like 3 p.m she was pooped and she'd just wait at the cash um or like my crew boss would have her in the truck or like he'd be driving around with her or something so she was like she I never had that problem Um, like I say of like searching for my dog or like wondering where she was I think maybe part of that was because like when I first had her I literally spent six months like day in and day out with her I brought her everywhere I went and we created that like bond of like okay this is what it's like don't you can't just like go off on your own like I she associates food to me she associates protection to me she associates you know like everything to me which is great because it means that like she's not going to search for anything else anywhere else and also like you know she's fixed so she's not going to like go in heat and run around all over the place or anything like that so she's always been really good I've never had that like you know stop planting because I can't find my dog thing happen to me um so that aspect of it I think is really really lucky but I think if you are bringing your dog for the first time in the bush like make sure that they're like that like you don't want to have to spend your entire day looking for your dog or, or you know what I mean like you need to make sure that your dog responds they're they're not going to be on a leash in the bush you need to know that their main goal is to be with you and vice versa you know what I mean so um so for that aspect I, to be honest I think I was just lucky with Della and she's she's always been pretty good at staying nearby which is great so um, yeah. y- you mentioned that, um, you know, there's been times where, yeah, obviously you feel a lot safer having her around, like just like generally when you're in the bush or the back country. Are, are there any times uh, like during your planting career where she's been, uh, yeah, where she's like saved your life or alerted you to something or yeah, you, you just wonder like what would have happened if she if she wasn't around, if she hadn't been with you? Yeah, totally. Um, Well, there's definitely been, like, quite a few instances where she'll just, like, book it near the tree line and just, like, you see her hackles stand up and she'll, like, bark and whatnot. There's one instance that actually happened to me um, last year in March, and I I wasn't planting. I was doing layout, so it's, once again, bush work, but I wasn't actually planting. Um, I was doing layout, and um, I was in the caribou, and I was kind of following this boundary line of a burn block, um, GPS coordinates, like GPS and coordinates. And, um, and I was walking along and I came around a corner and I just out of the corner of my eye, I saw Della 
chased something and and whatever she chased like ran up this massive tree on the other side of the tree and I was like you know I saw it out of the corner of my eye and you know I'm I'm aware that there are like dangerous animals out there like cougars and bears and whatnot but my my brain doesn't go to that like I I just like in my head I was like that was a very large squirrel um which is a stupid (laughs) thought process I realize now but anyways so I kept flagging my boundary and I actually was going closer and closer and going all the way around this tree like super slowly because I'm gpsing and like walking anyways so bad um make it to the other side of the tree and I look up and I'm like huh so I chime in on the radio. I was working with two other people on the blog, and they were quite far away um, on the blog. It was like huge burn areas. And um, I chime in on the radio. I'm like, oh, that, I think Della just treed a big cat. And I'm looking at it like, that's a very large cat. And then one of the girls is like, what does its tail look like? And as she said that, it was like, oh my goodness, Gab, like, you're an idiot. And I just said, I was like, that's a cougar. She said it on the radio. That's a cougar. And the cougar just turned around and we locked eyes with each other. This massive cougar was in a tree, probably 10 meters pouncing distance from my face. And Della's just at the bottom of the tree, like growling her entire body, just like poofed out. She was just like so mad that this cougar was there. And she's like, this is not cool. Like, you know, she was like so pissed off and just totally on her guard. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I called her back. She came to me immediately. She just like sat there and was just like her entire body was trembling. Like she was growling from like a place that I'd never heard her growl from. And we're both just standing there. Like I'm searching frantically in my field vest to like find a knife or like some sort of like defense. And of course I don't, I can't find my knife. I'm like looking at the iPad frantically trying to radio and tell like the others where I am on the block and they're telling me where they are and, and I'm just like I can't take my eyes off of this massive cat and Della's just right there and so finally I'm like okay I, I gotta like I gotta move but I was like so like I, I was kind of like frozen in place and so I just like took a step back and another step back and then I, I had to walk for two hours to get to the next person like to finally meet another human like that's how large the block was and how far we were from each other um and that two hours was like one of the scariest walks of my life because you're walking through this giant um, burn area, which is like kind of like a clear cut, but everything is kind of beige and kind of looks like a cougar. And the entire time I was walking, Della was circling me. Like she never left two meters away from my body. And she was just like circling around, like smelling everything, just like totally on guard. She knew like this cat was like super dangerous animal and and that was the first time that I had seen her interact with cougar um and it was it was crazy like she totally just saved my life she pounced after this cougar that was stalking me and she was just like super on alert and she knew that like this was really dangerous and she was ready to fight whatever it was you know which was an amazing feeling I'd never seen her do anything like that and I was so so happy with her reaction and pleased at how like she's totally, she's there for, to protect me no matter what it costs, right? Which was really awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and yeah, to be honest, like I've heard, I've heard so many stories like that, like not even just with cougars, um, like one of my buddies, it, just with a grizzly, the story is absolutely insane. Um, where, yeah, his dog actually like took down a grizzly um, to save his life and yeah it's just it's so cool I think that the you know what dogs 
will do for us and that connection. Um, yeah. And yeah, like that, I can't imagine like having been out there because like I don't own a dog and yeah, you would have been like pretty screwed basically. Um, yeah, otherwise. yeah, totally. When I was talking to the other two, when we got back to the truck, I was like, man, that was an absolutely insane experience, but I'm so glad it happened to me because I have Della. Like the other yeah. two have dogs, right? Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, like she literally saved my life. And she, like, there was, she wasn't backing down. You know, if the cat came out of the tree, she would have been after it and she wouldn't have stopped, which is like, I had never seen her react like that, which was amazing. Yeah. Cool. Um, is there anything that you'd want to share for someone who's bringing a dog planting for the first time this year? Um, if you're a rookie, don't do it. <laughs> I think as a rookie tree planter, you've got way more on your plate than you can even consider so don't bring your dog that's just an extra thing that you have to worry about and it's not necessary um if you're not a rookie and you just have a great friend and they're a dog and you want to bring them out tree planting just like make sure you know your dog you know what they're comfortable with what they're not comfortable with know their recall like know that if you call them if there's an animal if there's anything you can call them and they'll come to you over everything else um and if they have ibs just like tell everyone at camp to not feed them (laughs) Um, (laughs) and warn whoever you're in the truck with that it might smell kind of funky sometimes um yeah i think that those are the main advices that i could give you train your dog properly you know and and love your give them love they're working when you're working too you know so um yeah be aware of that and just to finish up, um, you know, kind of going a little bit on that same same note, uh, what's one piece of advice you would give anyone who's considering going tree planting or will be going tree planting for their first time this season? Uh, man, tree planting is probably the strongest love-hate relationship I've ever developed with anything in my life. <laughs> um, stick it out. At the end of the day, it's an amazing job and you'll be happy you did it it's um it'll be hard you'll probably cry a little bit you'll probably laugh a lot you know um just keep your head up it'll be okay at the end of the day it's all over anyway so it doesn't matter just just go for it right on well thanks gab so much for coming on and talking about della and sharing your planting stories uh yeah i super appreciate it Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you later and hopefully cross paths this season. Sounds good. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.